Hello and welcome to the Lost Art Podcast. My name is Paul and I'm here with Gareth Cummins. Who's that my is co- my name. Co-cast pod man person. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've done six billion episodes. This is six billion and one, mm. I think. Mm. And we wanted to do something for you. We wanted to dig basically through the dirt. Yeah. To find you some little gems. We're so musical idea, sin eaters. That's what we are. Yeah, we had a lot, oh, well, I had a lot of dirt this week. <laughs> I went through a lot of stuff to get these songs. Yeah. Um, so what I did was, what, what we both did was we decided to take some people who have been considered one-hit wonders mm. and see if we could find another little banger in there. Or yeah. uh, Well, that's how I took it anyway. Yeah, I we took had it, I, like slightly, slightly different approaches to it, which is interesting. Yeah, well, I took it to the fact that I, I used it as an excuse to go into albums and back catalogs of people who I've always wanted to go into to see if they had any more. Yeah. There was a few people I thought would have and uh, didn't. There was a few yeah. people I thought didn't and did. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely did. The first thing I want to say is how annoying it is to look. Was We and you do the same thing where we go through lists online to make sure we're not missing anything big. Mm. We already have we did the idea in our head of what we're going to do, but it's always good to go, oh, shit, you didn't miss something. Yeah. The term one-hit wonder so vague across the world that it annoys me when they put fate no more aha and Schneider o'connor into those into those categories it does my absolute head in that like you don't even have to know much about aha to know that you can think of so many more that maybe in america it was only uh, take on me yeah i mean some singles take off you know what i mean like they like just because a band has like a big hit single doesn't mean that they're a one-hit wonder like 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 you said but fighting but i can think of five gonna... other aha songs that oh, were yeah. huge. absolutely like yeah, and realistically there's probably there's probably a couple of these bands that were listening tonight that have a decent fan base you know what i mean and we yeah. could be insulting them by calling them one-hit wonders but well that's the thing yeah it's really hard because across the different sides of the world one hit wonder yeah. either applies or doesn't apply like fight no more to me doesn't apply at all but some people no. they might only know epic but that's not epic. that's not my problem that's not their problem that's the person's problem for saying that and being stupid yes being stupid, big stupid broken brain exactly so you went about uh, it looking for looking for the goods essentially yeah yeah, yeah. i re- Find at least one other song where people go, do you know what? That's deadly that I know another song by that person now, and it's yeah. good. I kind of went, I had a similar approach. Basically, what I done was I picked five one hit wonder bands literally off the top of my head, and I added in their hit singles onto our playlist without doing any research. Just literally the first five I thought of, and I went bam, 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 bam. There we go, right? And then right. Uh, when I was walking back and forward from work and out walking the dog and shit like that, I had my headphones on me. And I'd, I'd load up like their most recent album or something like that, you know, yeah. uh, or something maybe in the middle. There's, there's, as, a, as a rule, I found anyway, there's no point in going to the album after their hit single because it's, it's sometimes it's kind of similar. I like jumping ahead about 10 years just to see, you know, how things have evolved and I'll kind of work backwards from then. And I just, I'd, I'd do like a minute and a half of each song and if it wasn't grabbing me, I'd move on to the next one. And in some cases I found some fucking gold. I found some great stuff. And yeah, yeah. Uh, so some of them, I, I couldn't find it. That's not to say you see, it doesn't yeah. exist. You see, a lot of these people are one album hit wonders. Like the, Absolutely. The, one of mine has two albums, but there's only one available. One hit wonders often sell a fuck ton of albums. Yeah. Because they've sold the album that that hit is on. Exactly. Like loads of people. Like, 
I'll get into after the ones I went through and couldn't find any. I probably shouldn't because it's a bit mean, but I don't care. And then there's people who yeah. I genuinely got down to and I went, right, there's no way this person has another good song. And I stuck on the album and I was like instantly gone, that's really, really good. Yeah, I'd, I'd one or two of those, I have to say. I'd one or two of those Ma- that absolutely surprised me. Manson are another band I was thrown into this as well. They've got three big songs. Yeah, they've they've a they've couple got, of big songs and they've got they're, Tax Loss, they've got Wide Open yeah. Space, but they also have Being a Girl, which was really big at the time. But they're also like widely regarded as a very innovative fucking band, like to this day. I just, like, yeah, you can still be that and you can also still be a one hit wonder, but exactly. I just don't see it for them. Maybe it depends on your knowledge, but there's some things that there's some things that just I was really, really rough on on these. These are what I consider to be good, but also would consider themselves to be one hit wonders. I think they would. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because I having, thought about having one hit doesn't mean you have one song. Exactly, like got, they could have better songs, but it just, just a hit is defined by the fucking world. Exactly. I mean? Like I'm look like I've, there's bands I picked here that have like multiple albums, like shit tons of albums, careers. Yeah, like, exactly. Careers still going, really still going to this day. Doing, you know what doing I mean? really well. Exactly. Like, maybe it is after hit. Maybe it's after the fact that that hit gained them an actual really loyal fan base who exactly. went, oh shit, this person. So yeah, look, we can talk about the ins and outs of this all yeah. time. But. So what we're going to do is we're going to play you snippets of the songs that they're known for, just so you know who we're talking about. You probably will, but just in case. Uh, and then we're going to play you snippets of uh, what we thought, songs we found that we thought were good or songs that we found that we thought were shy. And again, uh, there's a couple of mine that are shy. I think you've, you've, you had a more positive spin on it. You pretty much found good well, stuff. Well, I, I kept dumping the crap ones. Yeah, I, did, I kept I want, some crap ones. I wanted ones. to find. I wanted yeah. to find. Yeah, but that's grand. We've got a good cross-section then um, between yeah. them all. So uh, I suppose let's get it going. You're, you're up first. Who's your I'm first, first. wonder? Uh, the first one-hit wonder band that I chose was Spin Doctors with Two Princes. Like yeah. it's yeah. it's like this one of the biggest one hit wonder fucking songs. The song it was inescapable for years. I remember as a kid, um, the song was huge. I remember the album, the big album was called Pocketful of Kryptonite. It was nineteen ninety one, and it was one of the albums that my uncle brought home from the Lebanon on fucking tape. I talk about this an awful lot. My uncle came out with a suitcase full of like bootleg cassettes, and it was it's a mashup. Everything, yeah. There was there was literally everything in it. Like th- this album was in there. Uh, Anthrax, the sound of white noise, Public Enemy, like that. Was, uh, literally everything. Because I think they were selling them for the equivalent of like fifty pence a tape or something in the markets in the Lebanon. So my uncle was like, right, I have a spare suitcase and just gonna fill it up with music and bring it home with me. So uh, he let me fucking go through the, the the suitcase. And this is one of the albums I pulled out. So I listened to this album an awful lot, and I remember thinking. I was a kid, listen, when this came out, I was 10. Do you know what I mean? I was 10 years of age. Like, you don't really have much of an opinion on much when you're 10. Yeah. Like, I like it, and you like dancing to it, or whatever you fucking do, eating your chicken It's, a, it's an absolute banger. I know they have one sort of slight other big song, but, yeah. but that song came out Little before. Little Miss Know-It-All, it was called. Yeah, yeah. therefore, it can't be, that was out before this song, though. So therefore, it can't, it, it's not a hit this side of the world. Exactly. And also, it wasn't. Let's be honest. If you look at the, well, you know what it helps me as well. Looking at the Spotify numbers, just for a sort of bit of clarity. Absolutely, you get a little bit of clarity off it. That's a, it was real surprising as well. Like some of these have absolutely insane numbers, and the yeah. drop off between their top song and their second song is yeah. monumental. So Two Princes has nearly three hundred million listens, exactly, and then Little Miss Can't Be Wrong has thirty one. So yeah. it's it's that's just Americans who know that that wouldn't be big in a over this side of the world really and, and I guarantee you that at least half of those places if not three quarters of them are people who put on 
fucking uh, two princes and forgot to turn the next song off on time. I'm not even joking. <laughs> it could be. Yeah, or just, just listen to the album. Or just genuinely do like the album. And yeah. It racked up. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. quite possibly. Anyway, so this came out in uh, 1991. Uh, the band formed in the late 80s in New York City. Uh, originally, they were called The Trucking Company. And it's weird. It was uh, the singer a guy called uh, Chris Baroni and a guy called John Popper and John Popper is the guy from Blues Traveller he's the singer from Blues Traveller so Blues Traveller and the uh, trucking company were essentially the same band and they shared members and stuff like that so John Popper left trucking company uh, um, to concentrate more on on his side project the other half of the band called Blues Traveller and uh, after he left, yeah, man, Chris Baroni, the singer, was like, I don't want to keep the name because if John Popper's not here, then we're not the trucking company. We'll call ourselves the Spin Doctors, and that's kind of where it came from. Um, so, like, Blues Traveller was fucking huge as well um, for a year yeah. or two. Kept showing up. Do you remember they used to show up movies all the time? Like, there was a three year period where every kind of shit film had a scene Blues Traveller playing in a pub or something okay. like that. I know uh, the name, and I know that they were out around that time of, yeah. like, early 90s. Stuff like that, but I d- I don't know. I couldn't think of any of their songs. Yeah, it's just sh- shit kicker kind of, uh, kind of soul blues where there's a big fat giant dude with a harmonica, um, singing and playing the harmonica. It's yeah. fine, you know. It's not necessarily my gig, but that that leads that leads me down the the wormhole, um, of what happened to the Spin Doctors. So they ended up. Actually, believe it or not, this isn't their first album either. Their first album was a live album, which is really fucking weird. Most of these people that I've picked are it's their second or third album. Yeah, yeah, like they've, they've been around for a little while. But what the fact that Spin Doctor's first record released on a major record label was a live record is mad strange. Like I don't think I've ever heard of that before. Like somebody's first album being a live album, like that introduction yeah, to the masses. I've heard it a few, heard it a few times, too. Yeah. But that won't be the one that really ever. No, I, I just found it very strange. But anyway, the, yeah. this this uh, pocket full of kryptonite comes out. Uh, this song, pocket full of oh, sorry, uh, two princes does bananas, does bananas. It's the right mix of kind of jangle pop and fucking. It's catchy and it's fun, you know. So when I start digging into, when we thinking, oh maybe they're gonna, that's what they're gonna stick with, you know. Uh, that is not what they stuck with at all at yeah. all um, yeah. let's play a little bit of, of Two Princes right I'm going to give you like 30 seconds of this shit just like, you know it but just in case Um, it's, it's it's grand. I just you know I've been listening to it my whole fucking life, and I can't. Yeah, I love I, it. It's great, but you know what? I think I just I filled my quote of uh, right. of that song in preparation for this podcast right. uh, for this year. So I'm out. I'm out with the Spin Doctors game. So I started rooting through it, and I've, I got got onto this album called uh, "If the River Was Whiskey." And I'm thinking that's a cool name for an album, and it's it's so like white blues that I, need, I got, kind of got sick in my mouth a little bit listening to it I listened to the whole thing and then I was like that, that's really weird that they went that direction so I started kind of going backwards and uh, they were all like that they were all just these 
shitty blues albums. And do you know what's mad? You know the way that song, Two Princes, starts off with like a little drum roll into it? Yeah. Every single song they have starts off with like a little drum roll in some way, shape, or form. Well, not every, I'd say 90% of them has a drum roll intro. Like, it's f- mental. And once you hear it, you can't unhear it. So when you skip to the next song, you're waiting on the on the kind of you're waiting on it. So it's torturous. Uh, so I'm I'm not gonna lie to you. I couldn't find anything that blew my mind. Uh, at the same time, I don't know. I went in about this kind of shitty pop blues. I don't know who listens to it. Uh, I don't know enough about blues in general. The only blues stuff I know was like John Lee Hooker and shit like that, you know. And I don't even know much about that. So. Mm. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna call them out for being dirt, um, but they definitely moved in a direction of of a type of music that, like, I personally can't can't appreciate. It's not for me. Um, it's definitely not written for me. Like all the hooks are missing. All the kind of pop elements are missing. And uh, he has this weird fucking singer voice. I'm gonna play a song, the title song of this album called "If the River Was Whiskey." He does this weird thing, like he's singing with like a sliced lemon in his mouth or something. Wait till you hear this. It's so weird. It's so odd the way he sings. Let me play 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 a little bit of this. I'll play like the guts of a minute of this if the river was whiskey. We're gonna jump in around the thirty seconds mark. Have a listen to this. If the river was whiskey, you'd have no trouble drowning me. Have it felt this good since I don't know when. Whatever it is I did. Why is he singing like he has? He's trying to hold a peanut in his lips. That sounds like that Johnny Cash song. Oh, it's just twelve bar blues. It's literally yeah. just twelve bar blues. And instead of finishing the, the finishing the round of of twelve bar, he just got he's got like like that wouldn't be that's what I'm saying. I like it's not played bad, and it's it actually sounds really cool. It's really airy. It's really spaced out. It's not mad compressed and pop, which is good. That they're they're not trying to uh, kind of uh, mold their new bluesy sound. Well, not new; they've been doing it for a long time. Mold that bluesy sound into the into the kind of the pop confines of uh, what what a studio would pump out. Like it literally sounds like they're playing in the same room, which they could well be. You know what I mean? Like the the amp sounds vintage as fuck. Like it mm. sounds old as balls. Uh, the bass isn't standing out at all. It's just sitting away, chugging in the background. The drummer is doing his thing. Like it, they sound good. You know, it's, I don't think it's for me, and I don't think anybody who liked that Two Princes song, if you like, if they said, "Oh, my favorite band are the Spin Doctors," 
Like I, I don't think they would have listened to anything after that album. I was sick of that kind of thing that they're just doing their own thing now. And happy enough being a, a band that plays this kind of music, which is probably quite fun. But I think yeah. Twelve Bar Blues is great to have one song in your repertoire yeah. with that. Imagine doing more. Uh, there's that. so much. Like like most of the songs I listened to were based around that structure in some way, shape, or form. And most of them are at that tempo. There's a couple of them that are a little bit slower, but most of them are at that that kind of shit kicker tempo we call it. And um. It, yeah, again, I'm not going to call out as being Dort. That's one I'm going to sit in the fence with. I've, I've some here I think are Dort, uh, but I'm going to sit in the fence for this one. And I mean, if so, listen again, if somebody's listening to this and and you are a Spin Doctors fan, please like shoot us a message or type up on the board. Uh, tell us a song that isn't there because I would actually be interested um, because uh, Two Princes is such a kind of perfectly written, delicious, catchy pop song that I want to know if they still. Did they pull that out of a hole every now and again? Or were they happy enough just doing fucking barnstormer music, you know? Uh, anyway, that was Spin Doctors. Who was your first one? Um, the first one I knew straight off the bat what I wanted to pick, and that was uh, Black, with uh, who had the song Wonderful Life mm. from, um, it was 1985. Um, now it's 86, actually. But before, like after that, I, I tried a few other ones. That, that was a successful one, thankfully, straight off the bat, which gave me hope. Mm. Which was soon dashed by. I wanted to see if Kajigu, who had Too Shy, Lamal's band, if they had another song. Mm. Oh my god, they have just <laughs> so much garbage. Yeah. The, the way they write songs is so bad. They'll come up with a catchy little bit and then they'll just. He, he doesn't. He, the way Lamal sings, bits and bobs over different things and coming in too fast at times. Yeah. It's not really for me. I, tr- I really wanted, for the sake of how much of a success story it would be, to find another banger by the Rembrandts. Who did their friends? Yeah, I, I I bought that album. It wasn't to be. No, uh, absolutely not. I tried the album before that. I tried the album after that. No, I, think, I yeah. tried Wigfield, Wigfield, and I got about five songs in. And I went, oh god, no! Yeah. And I don't even really like Saturday Night anyway. I hate so, that fucking song. It sounds like so can't sing. Yeah, so let's get to Black anyway. I absolutely love this song, Wonderful Life. But mm. for some reason, I never dug into uh, more of the stuff, mm. even. Um, even a few years ago, and I'll get into that as well. I was thinking about it, but um, his name—it's a—it's a one-person project. It's a uh, oh. Colin Turncomb, and he had a huge hit, like I said, in, in '86 with that. By the end of '85, he said the reason that he—the uh, reason he wrote this song. By the end of '85, he'd been in two car crashes. His mother had been seriously ill. He was dropped by his record company, and his first marriage uh, went tits up, Jesus. and he was homeless. So he yeah. wrote "Wonderful Life" uh, sarcastically. <laughs> <laughs> Um, play it there for the people that don't know. Yeah. I absolutely love this song. I think it's great. It's fantastic. All right, here's a bit of this. Here I go, out to see again. Everywhere. 
I just love that song. A lot of people yeah. find that way too miserable. But the idea of it is, is, is it to be, it's, it's the idea of it. Yeah. Like, it, it's, it's almost an opposite of Heaven Knows I'm Miserable Now, which yeah. is actually a really uppy, uh, happy sounding song. Like, if you it hear is, yeah. that song, like, it's it's done a lot. And, like, Smith did it like, with Girlfriend Nakoma, where they'll have, like, an upbeat song. They did reverse stuff like that around a lot in the 80s, just kind mm. of play with that. Actually, he's liking it to Morrissey and Brian Ferry a lot. Like, a mix mm. between the two of those. He has that kind mm. of soulful voice, and he does a lot of uh, kind of jazz. Jazz kind of up. Mm. He said before, once you've had a hit, it's hard to write another song without having that in the back of your mind. Yeah. And he says every song he'd write thinking this is good, but it's not a wonderful life. <laughs> uh, so that he knows what the deal is with the whole one hit wonder thing. Um it's a fantastic song, but for some reason I never really delved into to more of it. Mm. I thought that with crappier stuff from the eighties. But I finally gave this album a listen. I'm kinda of glad I did because I found a couple of good songs, but one I'll play is uh, everything is coming up roses, which was actually his first single off this album. Mm. Uh, absolutely flopped before a wonderful really? life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, stick it on there. This is a really, really, really good song. Okay, here we go. really good the album's very good it's not yeah. all of it is it's a bit of a mixed bag because he does a lot of kind of i think what the english would call jazz pop back in the day uh. um he in 2016 he was killed in a car crash Oof. near cork airport mm. uh, he's been living in shoal in west cork since 2003 because according to him he likes the elbow room and it's a place where eccentricity is tolerated Definitely uh, down there. Definitely is down there, yeah. But I believe um, it. He, he was cremated in Cork. But a year before he died, he launched a crowdfund uh, project to see if anyone would, would be interested in funding like a new album. And it far exceeded uh, what he expected, which gave him a huge Deadly. boost and stuff like that. And uh, he released the album Blind Fate in 2005. So now you know, everyone, that, that if you like that song, I know a lot of people do not like that song, mm. um, A Wonderful Life. But uh, Everything's Coming Up Roses is somewhere between like Spando Valley and Duran Duran. I absolutely, yeah, absolutely yeah. love it. Uh, so I've listened to the album a little bit more and more now. So I'm back into it. So I'm happy with that. That's a success. 
Well, they're all successes because I went through the I went through the ones that didn't. Yeah. Um, who's your next one? My next one is Crazy Town with Butterfly. Oh no! That's You're so make bad. Me listen to another Crazy Town song. I know. That's my fear. <laughs> yeah, you're pretty much gonna have to listen to a bit of another Crazy Town song. Uh, <laughs> so, formed in California in like 1995, uh, broke up in 2003, got back together again in 2007, and they're still kind of going. Uh, it's pretty much two guys, uh, a guy called Epic and a guy called Shifty. Now, Epic was only around for the first incarnation, uh, and then he fucked off. But it, he didn't leave. He'd, he'd done a weird thing where he said, like, right, I'm not going to be in the band anymore, but uh, I'm not going to leave the band. Like, and I was reading, I was like, what? what? So he's like, yeah, I'm not going to make music for him, but I'm going to stay in the band. I was like, what does this mean? Like, are you just collecting... Yeah, I don't understand what's going on. Now, to be honest with you, this band has had, had 18 members, right? Uh, because there's, there was crazy down... Play instruments? Uh, the two guys, I think Sh- Epic was like a DJ and a producer, and Shifty was like the rapper dude. Shifty was, the, was uh, the, the cokehead who looks like he's spiked everyone's drink. Yeah, 100%. The date rape king, 100%. And um, so... When Epic left, Shifty kept it going for some reason, even though he's obviously not the brains of the operation. Uh, yeah. Now, he left, Epic left because Jamal Shifty's paying the bollocks and he's a he he's looks drug like a fiend. dickhead. Yeah, he's a melted he type. Like he's one of those people whose faces never grew up. So he's yeah. got this child's face. <laughs> yeah, it's like Photoshop toddler. Co- yeah. yeah, but he's covered in tattoos and, and yeah. like stupid tattoos and stupid Just like stars frosted, and flames. Yeah. Frosted tips, but his yeah. face is that of a baby. Exactly. He looks like, yeah. he's like cross between the baby and the Elvler from Up. Um, but with, with <laughs> frosted tips and tattoos and kind of hench. Yeah. Uh, like that drug hench. You know, like y- your body has, has eaten every fucking iota of fat on it but just to survive. Because this cunt's been smoking crack for six months um, and hasn't had a breakfast. So the body's just eating it. So you get that like skinny hench looking type of thing. So they lift three weights. Weird. Yeah, yeah, they lift like three weights and all of a sudden it looks like they're bodybuilders, you know. And um, I sound a bit jealous, I am, to be fair. I should go on the crack diet. That's more, that might be my next move. But, uh, yeah, so Shifty gets, gets after Epic Lays, he kind of gets the, the group back together again. And They wanted, the original idea was just for this to be just a hip-hop group. They had no interest in kind of rap metal or rap rock or anything like that. But, unfortunately... Oh, yeah, they, they look like purists, all right, yeah. Yeah, um, but unfortunately, <laughs> it, it, um, it didn't really work out that way for them, where they, they were kind of embraced by the rap metal community. They ended up going like Ozfest tours and stuff like that, and opening for like System of a Down and this type of shit, you know. But they were never accepted. Uh, they were always built off stage, had drinks thrown at them, that type of shit, you know. Yeah, they're fake. They're garbage. It's garbage. It's absolute garbage. <laughs> uh, let's play a bit of uh, of this. Abs- I don't mind this song, to be honest. Well, I tell you one thing. This doesn't sound like the rest of that stuff. Um, at all like here we go come my lady come come my lady you're my butterfly sugar baby come my lady come come my lady you're my butterfly no I just can't I just can't um, <laughs> I just I actually just can't the best um, thing about the song is, is the sample from Red Hot Chili Peppers it's yeah even... they went on tour with the Chili Peppers as well uh, uh, that was one of their first big tours. I think they got kicked off that tour for fighting backstage or some shit like that. Um, yeah, they were fighting backstage. I believe. This guy fucking Egypt just keeps doing he's all the drugs. He's immune. When, 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 like, they so lucky to get where they are. Based yeah, on that I, I don't know how. I don't know how. Yeah. I don't, now again, 
they had albums out before this. Um, they were touring with the Chili Peppers and stuff like that before the song ever came out. Like, they'd already done the rounds and kind of broke up and got back together again a bunch yeah. of times. Uh, they only end, they ended up doing, only, I think, three albums, but like what they've been concentrating on the last couple of years, just singles. Because, obviously, it's just Jaman Shifty and whoever he can get a hold of to um, make the songs. Now, there's a, I'm going to play you a bit of another song called The Life I Chose now in a second, which is Crazy Town and a guy called Hiro the Hero. I have no idea who that is. Um, yeah, Hiro the Hero. He is actually clickable in Spotify, so he does have other songs. He's not just some He's probably the producer. It could well be. Now, what I'll say about everything I listen to, I listen to a bunch of stuff, and you can tell that there's loads of different producers involved, and you can tell that the songs... <laughs> Jesus, really? Yeah, yeah. You can tell that the songs are all, like, kind of chopped up. Like the way they'd make an old dirty bastard album, where mm-hmm. yeah, like so you know, Shifty goes in and whoever else is rapping with him or singing with him, and they just do a bit either to like a click track or to something rough, and then the producer takes it off and chops it all up and makes fucking salad out of it. You know what I mean? Um, one hundred percent, that's the way it's done. Let me play a bit of this song, "The Life I Chose." Now, what happened is, like I said, they definitely started to embrace the kind of rap metal aspect of it because that's where the fame was for them. That was the group that kind of gave them their name, even though they didn't want to go down that route, but they definitely did. Um, most of the stuff I listen to is all kind of guitar-based, and uh, this is this is 100% them thinking, like, let's just, let's just be Limp Bizkit, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. Have a listen to this. not good like it wasn't uh, the worst thing I heard till the chorus kicked in it's it's just it's such a clusterfuck of sounds and uh, parts like this is the Limp Bizkit part this is the Insane Clown Posse part very you know? very like those yeah like uh, and like I said it all everything I listen to sounds like it was just uh, it took a lot of samples after they had them if you get me so it would have brought someone in wrapped over maybe just the, the, the back beat of that and cut it, and then your mom went in to fucking whatever he makes music on, probably Fruity Loops or something, and then um, just adds it all in separate. So, like, they didn't hear the song until it was all way over, you know what I mean? Like, the bones of it weren't there. I don't know who was singing that song, though, but there was about 10 N words. Uh, I think that might be our man, Hoyro uh, the Hero. Right, has to like be. Crazy Town. Uh, that's, not your, that's not your ball to play with. That, yeah, that exactly. Him. Leave that gate closed, man. Let the dog out. Like, don't, don't oh. do it. Um, it's again. 
I try it, lads. I try it. it but it just, it just sounds like something that should be played at fucking that Juggalo Fest, the day of the Juggalos, whatever the fuck it's called. Uh, the meeting meeting of the Juggalos. It just sounds like that. That type of stuff. Um, mm. It's not for me. There was another one that there was another one I was going to put on that had like uh, a female vocalist doing something. And it was so bad. Like uh, it was so it was worse than this. And I thought I'd give them something because at least the guitar kind of sounds all right in that. Right, let's I, never speak of them again. Yeah, exactly. Let's move on real, real quick. Like I just I can't do it. Uh, who is your next one? Uh, I picked the Divinals because uh, they are definitely known as a one-hit wonder band. Yeah. I don't care what anyone says. People can disagree with that based on their knowledge, but the world's knowledge says that I Touch Myself is the mega banger, and it's an incredible song. So I use this podcast as an opportunity to dig a little bit deeper. So mm. they're mostly known for, realistically in, in most cases, only known for I Touch Myself yeah. from uh, 1991. Uh, I thought that was an 80s song. I thought it was an 80s song. Probably written in the late 80s. Probably. Um, they're an Australian new wave band who had a string of kind of low-key songs through the 80s, but nothing as big as I Touch Myself before and certainly nothing as big after that mm. either. Uh, the singer Chrissy Amphlett and Mark, the guitarist Mark McEntee wrote the song. Um, with Tom Kelly and Billy Steinberg, who have written songs like I'll Stand By You for the Pretenders, which makes loads of sense because mm. this band really remind me of the Pretenders. Mm. And her name is Chrissy as well. It's just really always struck me as the vinyls were trying to be a little bit like um, the Pretenders, and they kind of are a little bit, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, so it makes sense that they have that kind of vibe. Play for the people that don't know, I touch myself, you, you do that famous song about possibly what we think it's about. Hopefully. <laughs> Great singer, that fo- that chorus line is yeah. so good. Like it's so. The, the next part of the song is actually my favorite, but we, yeah. we don't have time to, to go through all that. Um, so that song was a massive hit in 1991, um, and their previous record label released an album, The Essential, the vinyls missing this track, obviously, because <laughs> they don't have that. Mm. Uh, which is a classic thing to do by a record label. Big like time. I own the songs from a band mm. that is now super popular. Here's a best of their back catalogue. But to be fairness, it did, to be fair, it did put me wide to this song, and it's mm. called uh, "Back to the Wall." Mm. And I really, really think it's great. I'm glad I dug into it. So now I can say, and you can say as well, everyone, that you know another divine song. That's exactly. Cool. That's the idea of this whole whole thing. So, um, she. Uh, she actually died in 2013 of uh, breast cancer, complications from multiple sclerosis. I think that she couldn't get, because of multiple sclerosis, she couldn't get proper mm. uh, like chemotherapy or radiation. Which, that that kind of ha- comes with its own list of rules of what yeah. you can and can't yeah. have. Um, but her contribution to the arts and legacy has been honoured by having 
um, her own laneway okay. in Melbourne. I'd love that more than a statue, uh, like yeah. a, a road or an alleyway or something like that. They've done, they've done yeah. Joey Ramone Place and all in New York, you know, it's great yeah, on this uh, yeah, Joe Strummer it's, Avenue in London. It's, it's, it's much better, I think, so she has Amphlet Lane. Um, so play um, play Back to the Wall, I think it's a really good song, genuinely I think it's a really, really good all song. Right, here we go. Cool, yeah. I really like her voice. She sounds more like Pat Benatar, I think. Yeah, there, she has than Chrissy Hines. A tinge there, yeah, definitely. But uh, I went through a lot of their songs. They've got good songs. They really do. So the vinyls might be one of wonder, but honestly, you could stick an album by theirs on and be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, with how it sounds. Um, so that's a uh, that's a new one for me now for my little list of. Uh, I have a playlist called Underrated. <laughs> Yeah, I don't need to explain that one, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, who's your next one? Uh, my next one is The Buggles with Video Kill the Radio Star. Uh, I yeah, love the well, song. I love yeah, it. Yeah, it's a brilliant, it's a fantastic song. Yeah. Uh, I saw him live a few years ago. Yeah. The, not literally live, sorry, he was on TV playing it live. And my God, he's uh, he's brilliant. He was nailing it. Yeah, it's a, they're not really... Okay, how do I even explain this? They're, they're not really a band, okay? So they're a studio creation of Jeff yeah. Downs and Trevor Horn. And uh, when they... At the height of their kind of infamy, I think they might have played half a gig once. And then yeah. <laughs> it was it was only years later, like in the last kind of 15 years or something, that they actually bothered the whole playing a couple of gigs. So they um done like a, a British Night of Music on BBC where they played two probably, or three that's, songs. That's the one I saw, I yeah, think. And yeah, I, that's like the, the like famous one. I knew that they were never really a live band, but I, that's yeah. why I was like, oh, this could be bad. Because I know Trevor Horn, he's a phenomenal producer. Exactly. Uh, so when I, when I watched it, I was really blown away by how good it sounded. Yeah, it's, it's, it was an interesting thing. The two lads met in college and they wanted to do... Um, they, they had this idea of seeing if they could do something similar to what the Beatles... We're doing, but only in the studio to make like a wacky version of of uh, of the Beatles. Basically, what the what they they had this concept in their there's head. Lot, that, there's a lot of bands doing that. It was yeah, a lot exactly. like a piss take. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Well, that, that's even where the name came from. Originally, they were called the Bugs, right? And someone said you guys have the Buggles <laughs> yeah. to be like the Beatles, and they were like, "Yeah, fuck it, that'll do." Because apparently, the whole the whole concept was that they thought in the future that bands wouldn't exist. And there would be computers in the basement of record labels just pumping out pop music. And 
uh, it would basically like as the computer wrote the songs, it they would be pumped into people's houses. So they weren't too far off the mark, right? Mm. Like from nineteen seventy nine. That uh, we've seen recently, computer made up like a new Nirvana song, basically. Exactly, on. yeah, and the, and the Metallica one and all this kind of shit. Like, so absolutely, the technology is almost there now, and um, so that that was the whole idea. Now they own they made two albums. Okay, there was on, there's one real album, one real album, and that's it. It's called The Age of Plastic. There was a mm. second album that came out, but um, I think it was after. I think Jeff Downs had left or something like that, and um, Trevor Horn was left uh, kind of messing around in the studio. And he he essentially invented loads of studio methods. That he went on to work with, like Frankie goes to Hollywood and stuff like that. And he took all the stuff that he figured out making the second Buggles album and brought it out to Frankie goes to Hollywood. That's where they were able to do savage tape loops and all this kind of shit. So I'm going to play a bit of Video Kill the Radio Star before we continue, just just in case there's literally I one person. I love that song. It's it's fantastic, and the the President's United States version of it is fucking excellent as well. Um, right here we go. Everybody knows that fucking song. There's, there's no escaping it. Um, so, as I said, there's, a, there's one real album, Age of Plastic. That's it. Uh, the second album is... Uh, I don't even know whether it was properly released. It could be one of these kind of music myths. But uh, something interesting happened. As they were starting to record the second album, they were in the same uh, studio complex that Yes were recording in. Yes were recording next door. And apparently Rick, we- Rick Wakeman and one of the other guys had walked out in the sessions, saying this is, they, they couldn't figure out songs, they weren't, they just weren't firing on all cylinders, the yeah. creative juices were not f- flowing, so yes, looked like they were going to break up. So, uh, Jeff and Trevor from the Buggles knocked down the studio door and said, listen, we've got a load of songs, like, um, we're not going to use them all, do you just want the song? Do you just want the song? And you just can, you know, yes it up, you know? Yeah. And they were like, maybe, like, come in and show us it. And after messing around for an hour or two, the other lads in Yes said, like, why don't you just join the band? Yeah. And they were like, all right, yeah. So the closest thing to a Buggles performance in like the early 80s was That's if you right. went to see Yes, because the Buggles were in Yes for ages. Yeah. Um, then what happened was Jeff Downs goes off, he forms Asia with the guys from like Emerson, Lake and Palmer and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I watched a documentary on them a while ago. Yeah. Um, Trevor Horn obviously starts doing a bit of side production on the side. Uh, eventually he goes on to work with ABC, I think ABC was his first big project, I think, that he worked with. ABC, mm. um, Frankie Goes to Hollywood, Yes, Seal, Tina Turner, Paul McCartney, Tom Jones, Cher, Simple Minds, Tattoo, he worked with Tattoo, um, Pet Shop Boys, he's done a bunch of stuff, he's a big time kind of famous producer. So, I, I didn't know they only had this one album, essentially, so I thought I was going to find some bugger stuff from like... You know, 1998 before they knocked it on the head. So yeah. I was surprised to see one. I was, I was almost going to chop it 
I'm trying to find something else. And I said, you know what, I'm going to listen to this album. And I think, like, the second song that came on was this song called Kid Dynamo. And I was like, this is really fucking good. Like, I, I don't know what type of music it is, but it's really, really cool. Like, so I'm going to play a bit of that now. And we have to let it run for, like, a minute and a half, minute and 40, but it's very interesting. Like, it's different from Video Kill the Radio, uh, Video Kill the Radio Star. But, like, in terms of, like, a song, I think it might be a better written song. Like, it's, it's not gimmicky. Have a listen to this and uh, let me know what you think. fucking good is that yeah it's, it's, it's very space opera yeah musical it's, or something yeah it's, it's like ghost meets space opera I'm fucking into yeah. it I like those yeah. level changes those vocal level changes for me they're, I always sound uh, like Tobias Forge they're um, the sound of the production the sound of all the instruments sounds per- so good exactly they don't that, do production like that anymore exactly the se- that separation it's very hard yeah. very hard to hear uh, albums these days where everyone's just not squished together to make that because yeah. this is obviously it's kind of anti wall of noise, so wall of sound kind of effect, you know yeah. what I mean? This is let's give everything its own space on the pie chart. See, you, you, with that, you can get a better boom, 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 oh, yeah. boom sound. So that's absolutely well. That, that's that like post punk was very like that anyway. I think that, yeah, um, it, it was very sparse. So when something was there, it didn't necessarily have to sound big because if everything sounds big, it meant that you just got a big muddle in the middle. So if they kept everything kind of sonically real tight. And just gave you exactly what you need of that instrument. I mean, that you had yeah. this airy feel to it, you know, and it really, really worked. I was mad impressed with this album. That song in particular, mm. that Kid Dynamo song, I was fucking all. I think I played it like three times in a row. I was like, can't believe <laughs> that the Buggles who wrote Video Kill the Radio Star had fucking this kind of space opera type yeah, of fucking yeah. thing, this Flash Gordon esque uh, sound. sound like Flash Gordon. Yeah. yeah, I was mad into it. Um, <clears throat> like I said, studio only gig, the lads went off, doing their own thing. Uh, done very very few gigs just wasn't they weren't into it it was a studio project and that was the end of it I don't think they even thought that Video Kill the Radio Star was going to be that big I think it, ran, that was, it was almost a mistake that that happened you know Yeah. yeah. Um, they got bigger than they should have got and then yeah. they just knocked it on the head like I'm fucking out of here um, let's just yeah, do we're never supposed to do this <laughs> exactly we were acting the bollocks and it was a little cool um, project but that, that's that's about it anyway that was the Buggles who was your next one my next one is Sneaker Pimps, who some people will probably argue are not a one-hit wonder, but uh, mm. like, come on. They had a, a sort of s- small hit with Spin Spin Sugar afterwards, but mm. if you ask me, that song is nowhere near 
the level of uh, six, how big Six Underground was. So good. The album, the album on a whole was really big. It sold like a million copies or something mm. like that, I think. Um, and it's a really, really, it's a mixed bag. The album, it's good. It's not all. It's not a brilliant album. I don't yeah. Think. Um, but uh, I still have to consider them a one-hit wonder, to be honest with you, because if it hit that magnitude, really is so. That song came out in 1996, and so did the the album uh, Becoming X, which is. Mm. Said it's pretty decent. They take their name from an article the Beastie Boys published in their Grand Royale magazine, mm. where they hired a man to go around and track down classic sneakers. Deadly. I was imagine having that. Just get that money go. You go big boy sneaker. I'd love that. Grand Royale yeah. was a fantastic label. The stuff they put out was fucking super. I've I've a couple of seven inches that I like. I don't even know. Or I didn't know at the time who was on them. I just saw their logo. I was yeah. like buying it because they had like their taste was bananas good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <coughs> um, so the the two guys from this band, Howe and Corner, developed their own studio after a vigorous touring uh, schedule in England and America. They came back and uh, Howe and Corner developed their own studios. Um, but the singer Kellyanne took a break, mm. and while she was on their break, her break, which I think was fairly. Fair after a grueling tour. Oh yeah, uh, the two lads started writing songs, and Chris Corner was just laying down the uh, vocals for him. He goes, "You know what? I think I sound deadly on these, mm. so uh, we'll just not have her in the band anymore." Oof. So they had to break a tour that uh, they weren't. And uh, Sneaker Pimps did go on and do some other stuff that wasn't really particularly big at all, mm. but it was uh, decent enough because I remember hearing a few things with Chris Corner as the singer. He then went on to become become or be the, the the solo project IMX, which is is, is quite popular actually, mm. even now. It's kind of a dark synth poppy, touches of industrial and electronic and mm. stuff like that, kind of sleazy music. And it's mm. really it's really really good. I'd put that ahead of Sneaker Pimps to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people would. Um, I always just remember the video for uh, for this song, and then seeing when I saw like the album cover, I was like, she looks so different in the video than she does on the yeah. cover. Yeah, she looks mad stoned over on the cover. Anyway, yeah. stick it on there, and uh, so people that for the few people that don't know. Anyway, yeah, this is really iconic. The song, this great is great song. So fucking top shelf. It is. It's, it doesn't really come close. To, the album doesn't really come close to this, but there is a few really, really good songs on it. Mm. Spin Spin Sugar is a decent song, but I, I often find this one to be a lot better, and it's called Postmodern Sleaze, mm. and it's just a much better put-together song, I think, mm. and it's more interesting to say in the same way that uh, Six Underground is. Yeah. So 
Um, they are going to reunite. Okay. This year, as far as I know, because mm. they're putting out uh, anniversary editions of this album. Although I don't really know what the it's a bit of a word anniversary. Mm. Oh, tw- uh, tw- thirty-five years, twenty-five, 30, twenty-five years. Twenty-five is about. Yeah. I suppose it'll be coming up. Yeah. So you'll probably see a twenty-fifth anniversary uh, edition of. I buy it. I buy it. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely would. Yeah. Gonna do the other albums as well. Won't be buying them, even though he did do a very good version of the show for not as good as the Deftones version, but it's still very mm. good. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, I hasn't I haven't seen for a fact that it will be Kellyanne yeah. in as the, as the singer. You wouldn't know what this guy. Chris Brown is a bit of a control freak. Everything goes through him. But uh, play um, postmodern sleaze just so okay. people can go. Well, at least I know another song. Yeah, with him. Here. <laughs> here we go. Like yeah it is it's a really good song they also have a great song on the lifeless ordinary soundtrack called velvet divorce oh. and uh yeah so they are not without great songs but hit wise yeah i mean come on it's that's that's their big monstrous hit yeah. and uh yeah so they're that, the was, band that, that to, was that was a failing of a lot of those kind of trip-hop kind of groups as well you know like yeah look at massive attack with angel and, and they not only a bunch of other songs that like done all right but that song was so fucking big or teardrop sorry teardrop, teardrop. Was so big that like how do you even compare anything else to it you know what i mean i don't know i think they were possibly bigger before that i think that a uh, unfinished symphony was a bigger song i, I think it actually yeah i think, I think it actually sold more now than I don't know. I thought I was assuming that teardrops would have been. Cause th- no. that was, there was no escape and fucking teardrop. Like, yeah, was... no, no, it was. It was monstrous. But no, I, th- I honestly think that uh, unfinished symphony before that was maybe yeah, yeah, monstrous as well. Yeah, there will be still people that will say because they know teardrop is yeah. But anyway, anyway, sneaker pimps are great, but they don't get any more time on this podcast. Here's your next one. Yeah, uh, my next one is Deep Blue Something with Breakfast at Tiffany's. That's definitely one I wonder. No one can argue that. Yeah, there's no, there's no getting away from it. Uh, I actually really like this song, uh, 1995. It's just a fun, stupid kind of college rock song, and uh, I'm all right with that. I have no problem with college rock. I used to, I used to hate it, and then maybe ten years later, I heard it and went, "That's all right." It's just it's a well put together song, you know. Let's play a bit of it here now. Lyrically, it's very good, actually. Yeah, it's. I, I like I said, I like it a lot. It was, uh, it was, it was inescapable uh, in the mid 90s. And it stuck around as well. Like it wasn't a flash in the pan. Like the the radios were playing this for fucking years afterwards. Uh, here's Breakfast at Tiffany's. You'll say we've got nothing in common, no common ground to start from, and we're falling. You'll say the world has 
I don't think his voice is very strong. Um, no, it's, it's it sounds like there's a lot of studio magic in there to make it sound like he can actually I, sing. Like when you know? started playing it there, I thought that was a different version. It was no, like, it's just it's it's warbly and shit like that, and you can tell when the chorus kicks in, it's got that college rock feel of put the distortion on the chorus, you know, to give it the boost or yeah. whatever. And it's it's auto tuned to an inch of its life, and it's layered seventy and fucking oh. times, you know. Remember, it was this sixpence none the richer and watching Friends. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly that type of shit. Um, so. Again, this is one of the songs that I kind of instinctively went like, "That's a that's a one hit wonder." Let's have a rue, um, yeah. let's have a route around and see. Did you, if I can did you find get me something. in? Did you get me in? I got you. I got you something. Um, is it? What's yeah, you I found. <laughs> I felt they they have about four albums, and one of their last albums was self titled called Deep Blue something, and I said, "Right, I'll start there," and I think it was like track one or track two. I was hit with this absolute banger of a song called Military Man. And I was like, holy shit. And I listened to the rest of the album then. And like, listen, it's not all super strong, but it's it's better than it has any right to be. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And he seems to have found a way of singing where he uh, doesn't have to pay 20 grand a day for studio magic, which is probably the best thing about it. Um, it's They're from Denton in Texas, and they went 1991 to t- 2001, then they got back together again in 2014, uh, and they're still going, doing doing gigs. Uh, like I said, standard enough, kind of late 90s, mid-90s college rock. Um, yeah. They definitely evolved. They they evolved into something they, I think, into a style they wanted to play. I, th- I have a feeling that this fucking Breakfast at Tiffany song was just flavour of the month, and they just banged something like that out, and I'm sure that album is full like, of that type uh, of shine. Maybe like Spin Doctors, they were like, now, now that the spotlight is most certainly off us, let's do whatever we, we want. We do whatever we want to do. Like, I, I just have to assume that like they've got a couple of thousand fans worldwide, and it's worth their while banging an album out every now and again yeah. in some local studio in Texas that costs fucking 300 quid a day as opposed to the big money. Because I doubt they're on a big label. <clears throat> I'd say it's some yeah. small label that has them. But have a listen to this military man thing. I really liked this song. It, it, it changed my mind.
Like they definitely changed it up. I like it it's a lot. Great. It's it really has, good. Has like a Bowie kind of feel to it, like a dream poppy Bowie yeah, elements and Nine Inch Nails and Dave Matthews those, bands, that kind of stuff. You know, those guitar tones are delicious. Yeah, they're weird, aren't they? They're very weird. Yeah. But um, again, there's a bit of space in it. Um, still relying on the heavy guitar chorus, but you know what? That's fine. That's the standard yeah. now um, in music. I have to say, the rest of the album. I enjoyed. There's loads of little bangers on it. There was one kind of. There was one song that was real bad. I think it might be like three songs <laughs> after this that had like uh, that fucking real bad keyboard um, fucking string section that like sounds good oh, if you real if you harsh yeah uh, like, like uh, computerized strings yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, and, and, but it wasn't handled well. Uh, it wasn't. Do you handled know that well. there's a lot of on the Cure's disintegration, but it's, it works. Yeah, if it's done right. 100% the fits there's a particular sound that it fits into it doesn't yeah. fit into, into Deep Blue something's uh, sound but yeah absolutely have a listen to that album uh, Deep Blue uh, Deep Blue something Deep Blue something the, the, the uh, self-titled album it's surprisingly like I said better than it has any right to be so uh, yeah. again as you say there you go you know another uh, Deep Blue something aren't song. we very good aren't, aren't we, we good doing good? the shy for you say <laughs> kofi.com forward slash last you podcast you would want to hear the Garbage we went through. Yeah, it was painful. It was a week wow. of listening to Dort. Uh, who was your next one? <laughs> My next one is someone that people might be pissed off by saying it, but Chris Isaac. Mm. Uh, Wicked Game is a monstrously, monstrously bigger song than any of his other songs. Now, that's from this perspective of this side of the world, not necessarily America, where he would has just he has an incredible career in America mm. um, as an actor and as a proper, to be honest with you, a proper musician because he plays a lot of like festivals like proper mm. music festivals in like Nashville and stuff like that because he is a talented really talented guitarist and, and songwriter he also looks like Morrissey especially in that album cover there well it, yeah it, he's yeah. Um, <laughs> he's probably going longer than Morrissey oh, with yeah, that look maybe yeah uh, that kind of 50s look also yeah. he's from California he probably lived that look since yeah. he was a kid rolling cigarettes up in his uh, arm <laughs> nam fags we used to call them no, yeah. Um, I did still struggle with this, whether he's a one-hit wonder, because I know personally he's had songs that are big in America. Yeah, yeah. But they weren't anywhere near Wicked Game. And if you ask 100 people, name one more Chris Isaac song. I couldn't you might get You might get below 10, I'd say that. We'll, mm. we'll say. Um, they'll say um, Baby Did a Bad, Bad Thing, which is a really great song off that album. But that Baby Did a Bad, Bad Thing wasn't i don't even know if it was a single but mm. came to sort of popularity when stanley kubrick was filming eyes wide show mm. nicole Kidman would play chris isaac during warm-ups or something i don't know or just around i don't know how how it happened mm. stanley kubrick went god that's a really good song we should put that in the film so it got licensed and it's in the film now cool. but it's not a coincidence that nicole kidman had it because he's really big in australia mm. and he's even a been on loads of he's always on panel shows in australia the same way the germans taken hasselhoff under a wing although yeah yeah be yeah. like the name helped that um he's also uh been, he's on he's he was a guest on the or sorry a, a judge on the australian voice hmm. as well he just some countries just take people in under a yeah, wing it's, yeah. it's crazy germany does take a lot of people in france took uh like loads of people in from uh, hmm. england like the guy that vince um Second name, who's the 
the inspiration for Ziggy Stardust. He made a living. He was from London, but made an absolute living in oh, France. Oh, yeah. We talked about as him a few a, weeks ago. Yeah, yeah as a, like a kind of 50 style. Not a million miles away from Chris Isaac's look, actually. Yeah, yeah. Which segues right back into what I'm supposed to be talking about, which is dead handy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Chris Isaac has had like 30 years of a great career. He's earned two Grammys. Hmm. Nomination, nominations, sorry, sorry, nominations, but still, uh, and released 11 studio albums. Um, if you want to give Wicked Game there a whack, because I don't know a single person that doesn't like this song. This is one of my favorite Genuinely. songs ever. It's so fucking amazing. Yeah, it's top 100 self- songs ever for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, here we go. <laughs> Isaac just stole your girlfriend pretty much it's just over stole your girlfriend what, you're over. walking home alone like, <laughs> just that song I mean I'd have I'd have thoughts about that I'd let if someone if someone played me that hard they could have me ma you know what I mean like if they pulled it out that no I just mean like I might like be like damn that got me a bit as well yeah yeah can I go home with you <laughs> <laughs> let's make um, let's be a triple <laughs> he's like no, sorry. His voice is extraordinarily good. Yeah. Like, it really is. And he's actually a very good actor. He's always had a, a tie-in with David Lynch. Um, he had another song that was on uh, Blue Velvet as well. And since then... See, David Lynch loves anyone that's kind of pro-O-50s. Or not yes. pro-O-50s, but like new 50s. Yeah. And has that kind of diner-esque mm. gara... Uh, like mechanic garage look and he does have that you could yeah. either know he could be a bus boy he could be uh like a mechanic like a gas monkey what, or a fuck someone wearing a yeah. literally like a blue velveteen fucking suit like you know what I mean? yeah uh, and he does wear these he, chris isaac wears incredible suits he has like he, he has wears those full lovely, mirror suits and all yeah savage gear yeah um so the song i picked is a song that was released about four years before this on his self-titled album, which is his mm. second album, uh, Chris Isaac. Um, this song is called Light Me, and it's not a million miles away. I was going to pick Baby Did a Bad Bad Thing. I really liked that song as well, but mm. then I was like, Fuck, I want to find another one. So here it is. It's this one. It's this here. There is a woman 
sneaky saxophone. Yeah, I, I played the later section of the song because the earlier one, it's kind of much more muted. The whole song is much more muted. I didn't want people to think that it's all, like it's that kind of yeah uh, soft. The whole lot of it. Yeah, no, it's really really good. That and give that a listen <laughs> if anyone's. If, I I like Chris Isaac a lot. I, I grew up listening to him uh, because my sisters were mad at him. Mm. They play. They played that. Uh, that album, I think. It has a Smitsy kind of vibe to it as well, you know? Yeah, it does, yeah. I think so. Um, So, I do still like Chris Isaac, and there's absolutely, you can call him a one-hit wonder, which I sort of of have to do in this case. Yeah. But career-wise, stronger than a lot of the people on this list. Definitely, definitely. If not all. He's stronger than probably all Almost certainly, yeah. Almost certainly. Um, So, who's your next one? My last one. Uh, My last one one is The Fountains of Wayne with Stacey's mom. Yeah, that's that's. I don't know any other other their songs. So. <sighs> no, uh, Fountains Wayne. Yeah, New York City, nineteen ninety five. To be to be brutally honest, which is not a lot, an awful lot to to tell you about them. Uh, I have something to tell you about deeply or something that I forgot to add in, in the last one, and that is yeah. one of the guys started a record label, um, kind of from his house, just signing local bands and stuff like that, and somehow he ended up owning the rights to all of Bush's albums and No Doubt's albums. Somehow, really? yeah, and uh, he, he sold them, made a fucking fortune. He actually sold he sold Bush's rights back to Gavin Rossdale for a fortune, and then take uh, your Bush back. Exactly, yeah. Um, so I think do with your Bush. That I, I would assume that money funded uh, a couple of those later Deep Blue something albums. But Fountains of Wayne, yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the, the people were talking about Fountains of Wayne last year because the singer died died of COVID um, in twenty twenty. So that that kickstarted another oh, thing. That's he, right. Yeah. Yeah. He um he, he was working with a lot of TV shows and soundtrack stuff, and um yeah. we, we have a podcast about it. I think somewhere. Go back last year. It's there somewhere. I'll give you all the details about about Fountains of Wayne and about the singer. Uh, who, for some reason, I didn't even write his name down. Poor bastard is dead, and I didn't even write his name down. I'm looking at it here. Uh, uh, yeah, let's call it about that. Um, I know his name now. I can't forget. If you had a if, if it Colin came something up, or I can't remember. Um, it starts with the, the C in there somewhere. I remember that. Uh, so yeah, he died. He died uh, in, in 2020. Uh, I went rooting. I, I I put a lot of effort into Fountains of Wayne because Stacey's Mom is a fun, stupid song. I, I'm not a big fan of it, but it's fun. Garbage. Let, let's play a bit of that to just... for whatever reason. Adam Scheislinger.
Now, what I'll say is that when I was digging through all the rest of their records and songs, I didn't find one track that even remotely sounded like that. Right? Really? Honest to God. Every song I found, i tell you what it sounds like. It sounds like a weird rip-off of like, the President's United States, where all the songs are about stupid shit. Right? Like, but not, not quite stupid enough. Where the President's United States was talking about fucking insects riding dune buggies and absolute fucking acid trip garbage. Like, these lads were singing songs about, like, almost every song has a part about a place in America. You know, there'll be, like, the road in Wisconsin yeah. or a coffee shop in Massachusetts, that type of right, thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, that, that's the, a lot the way. Of people but the cast thing is, geez, we couldn't do that in Ireland. No, the, the Barack Obama Plaza. <laughs> fucking. Like. The cafe in a thigh. Yeah. No, no, a cafe in a thigh. Like, exactly. You're going to go with that? Well, considering the, the the rate that fucking these companies are buying up our country anyway, by the time you wrote a song, it'd be out of date, there'd be a fucking hotel put there, you know? Um, so I, I found the song called... You're talking like that and you'll be on a... I can't. No, no we can't. Oh, on a wall in Hout. Um, <laughs> no, no, I was back up the voice. Yeah. <laughs> get the podcast in trouble. So I, I listened to this. I think I, got us, I might have got us in trouble in that, the live show last night. Um, Why? I thought it went a bit too hard there now. On, on a few lads I I'm not talking about it on the free one if they want the, you can go to patreon.com forward slash lost our podcast I don't remember you going yeah you I went a bit hard on, on oh god no I do yeah shit yeah. I remember it now <laughs> yeah um, no, I tried to I tried to pull you back yeah I tried to pull me back but the cans got good to me and I just dug in um, so I'm looking at the, the fucking relics of the cans I drank last night I've done damage to myself last night I'm rough as fuck today lads um so I found this album called, what's it called, Sky Full of Holes. And it's just, I can't, man. It's there's some weird fucking pub synth, like, sounds in some of the songs. And some of them start start off like that, like shit reggae. And then change it to something. I can't, let me play you a bit of this uh, Asayla song. I, I don't even know fucking what Asayla means. But it's just... It's just quirky, but not quirky enough to be good. Have a listen to this. Sounds like a shit Oasis B side. It sounds a bit like uh, uh, the Eels as well. Yeah, they were one of the bands the I wanted to wanted to bring up about. Um, not necessarily in this podcast because uh, the Eels are kind of important. They're man done an awful lot of stuff. Uh, but mm. th- th- I can't believe your man uh, died of COVID. That's like 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 that's huge. Like if all yeah. people going, oh, it's only affecting certain people. He was in like he only just turned fifty or something. Or he's early. 50. Yeah, I think it was complications due to COVID. So I think 
I think if you if you I think we we talked about it ages ago. It was something like he had he had one or two underlying issues as well that the COVID just exacerbated exacerbated him yeah, and yeah. fucked him up. So it could have been like a ventilator issue. If you remember at the start, the first couple of months of this, everybody was getting put in ventilators, and they figured out like no, that's real bad putting people on ventilators. Um, really? Yeah, it turned out to be apparently a bad thing putting people on ventilators. Um, I didn't even hear about that. Yeah. Now again. Look it up on the internet, and you get fucking ten articles to say one thing and ten See? to say the other. You know, um, science is always wrong. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No. Um, but yeah, appa- apparently, uh, for the majority of cases, uh, ventilators are a bad problem because it wow. makes your brain think that it shouldn't try and get your lungs working, um, oh, which right. can cause more complications. It's supposed to like it's literally if you're dying, if you're flatlining, they stick the fucking ventilator on you. You know, like intubate you or whatever. Um, but again, I'm not a fucking doctor. Don't listen to me. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's not good. It's, yeah, but you have what you have WhatsApp, right? Oh yeah, well, I know. I know when the army are going to roll out because uh, Jocko's uncle works for the National Guard and he got the letter. He got exactly. the call last night. Uh, <laughs> WhatsApp screen, WhatsApp screenshot, screen grabs. Even, even though yeah. you can literally share the message itself. Well, yeah, okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely, and the font is wrong. Or some, it's, it's <laughs> got a big gaudy fucking yeah, comic fonts. Exactly. <gasps> fucking thrown in on top of it, you know. Why it's does kicking your off ha- at midnight. Why does, ha- why does your auntie have papyrus font? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, th- this all this music is just fucking tambourine music. I call it. Um, yeah, that, actually, nearly you mentioned it, tambourine was quite high in that. Yeah, it's it just just tambourine, and then there's the piano sound quite nice. I'll give them that. Uh, but they're all. Oh, that sounds great. That song is just an absolute void of creativity. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just all kind of stock shit. Everyone I hear was stock shit. Like within the first five seconds of hearing the song, you're gonna have to hear that for the next five minutes. If you know what I mean, it never yeah. really goes anywhere. It never changes up. Um, now apparently there was a big uh, kind of power dynamic struggle in the band with uh, the 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 main singer and songwriter. He didn't give a shit for a couple of years and let the other lads kind of take over and write the songs and then when he decided to kind of reassert his dominance and get back into it the lads wouldn't let him and because of, like now in saying that I reading all this and I was going back through the other albums trying to find when they were good and I couldn't find it like I'm, and and again like I listened to loads of it I didn't listen to fucking all of it maybe there's a fountain no, Wayne fan out there who was yeah I, I, listen another I'll tell you after this, actually. Go on. Go on. So, yeah, it, listen, if there's a Fountain's Wayne fan out there who can tell me, you know, uh, uh, not necessarily a hidden gem, well, but like I'd a killer. Say of all the bands, they'll, they'll, they'll be the band people will get in touch with. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Like, let me know. I want to be <laughs> wrong. You know, yeah. I want to be wrong about this. I don't want anybody to be fucking getting shot on by me. You know, it's just yeah, yeah, what, yeah. I, what I listened to there uh, over the last week, I, I couldn't find Etten good. Uh, there was yeah. one or two songs that were so, so bad that they, you, they shouldn't you, have made the call. You stuck with the original choices, yeah, good was, or bad. Fair yeah. enough, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't change it up. I, I, I stuck to me guns. I was like, great. If we're gonna find gold, we'll find gold. If we don't, I'm just gonna have to call it. Fair um, enough. But, yeah. but I, I'm giving myself an L by saying if there's a fan of that band there, like post it up. Post up a YouTube or a Spotify link yeah. or whatever the fuck it is, and tell tell me I'm wrong. Uh, yeah, d- done nothing for me. I li- I like that uh, Stacey's mom song. It's stupid. It's fucking stupid. And the repeaty bit, the the I don't mind the Buddy Holly bit, the pu- 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 pool. But when he comes in, like hang by the pool, I'd rather fucking kill myself than listen to that again. <laughs> I hate it. I fucking hate that callback stuff. Uh, leave that to to the, the yeah. soul, soul people in the sixties. Just don't do it. 
It's fucking garbage. Bothers shit out me. Let let the song have a little bit of silence in it or whatever. You don't have to or fill just, every waking minute. A, a little keyboard work. Yeah, because there's a cool there's a cool synth line in that Stacey's mom fucking yeah. song that they can just turn that up. Give us a bit more of that. There's a really cool synth line running through it. Like mm. more of that, please. Don't do the hang by the pool. Fuck off. The sound engineer or the producer should have ran into the booth and clattered them across the mouth for doing that. But that's that's so that. Uh, drunk young ones can sing, sing that, it back. back back to them, yeah. mate. Yeah, yeah well, absolutely, absolutely. I just let, have no time for it. It bothers the shit out of me. I, hate it. I don't want to talk about the films. You have anymore. to let you have to let Marcia <laughs> sing the main bit, and her friend exactly. Colette will sing <laughs> exactly. The, it's like no, I'm on lead. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Right, who's your last one? My last one is is man. I went through a lot of bands because like I was doing it the opposite way. I wanted to make sure I had. Yeah, you were uh, you were songs. digging for gold. Yeah. So I, I did ditch bands, and after Black, the next band I went for presuming. Sorry, Kajagu was the second band yeah, I went yeah, yeah. to find another two shy or something like that. Um, uh, the third band I went to was Dead or Alive. Okay. For something after you spin me right round, fucking oh looked out, oh looked there, man. <laughs> really, I'm not being bad, but Dead or Alive, I, I couldn't find anything. And the really thing, hard thing is to sift through the amount of re-releases of Dead oh, that, of you spin me right round and the covers and re-recordings of it. Re-recording, they all tried that. And 2011 version, I can't do it anymore. So I got, I, I, I won't tell you all the people I went through because it, it'll piss some people off or whatever like that. But for the crack, I went. Wouldn't it be gas if Snow, who did Informer, had another banger? Hmm. And I like Informer voice now, but I was terrified to have to listen to what could be a bunch of reggae. Because mm. he is a Canadian reggae rap rap artist mm. um, whose name is Darren Kenneth O'Brien. Well, Yeah. Uh, he had a mega banger in 93 with Informer, which uh, if anyone doesn't know, it's stick it on there. It's a great song. I don't okay. care what anyone says. It's great. Right. This is Informer. I'm going to tell you something, right? I hadn't a clue who the fuck you were talking about. Right. <laughs> I was just, I was nodding, I was nodding along yeah. going, all right, yeah, Grant, yeah, I can't wait for this. Yeah, tell us, Helmet. Yeah, because when I said banger, you just went, yeah, and what I was like, yeah, I on. hadn't a fucking clue you were talking about, right? The second right. this started, on Friday, it's Sunday now we were recording this, Friday afternoon, I was sitting in the pub with Kev with a laptop open watching this video. Right? Really? Randomly, out an hour, we were watching loads of the old fucking 90s kind of M people style pop rap yeah. shit that was doing the rounds. And Kev went, do you remember that We Canadian reggae fella? And I was like, what? The rapper, We Canadian fella. And I was like, I haven't a clue. Who the fuck are talking about? And he put it on. And, and the second it started, I was like, a lickety bum bum now. And then, because we were yeah. watching the video, it was like the state of this cunt. The full state. He is shocking looking. 
Well, let's, let me tell you something about this, right? Please, Dale, because I'm into it now. Like, I'm involved. Right. The song is about a lad who ratted on you when you stabbed him down a lane. And I yeah. look at this cunt going, you're from Canada. And... Uh, no. It's everything that happened in the song is true. Really? Because this cunt sta- looks like he walks he sta- in a library. He stabbed, he stabbed a lad down the lane, right? Mm. <laughs> and uh, your man ratted on him. So... He, if someone stabbed me, I'd rat on them. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> well, I don't know what happened. Altercation might have been, you know, fair game. And after, yeah, whatever. Whatever. Um, so Snow was taken into custody after this. And while he was in custody, he... Uh, and it was for a good while as well, while he was waiting... Um, for to be to be sentenced or whatever like that, he wrote this song, and he was had no intention of singing it at all. Yeah, because he wasn't the guy who did that. You know, um, so he got out anyway, and his producer is oh God MC fucking MC Canuck, MC Snare. We call him that. Something right. like that. Uh, it's, it's actually he's actually quite well known. He's actually quite <laughs> a good, good uh, producer. Mm. Uh, they released this, and then it it um didn't release it sorry they wrote it and while it was getting like after the video was made before the video forever by the way before yeah before the video was even released he was put in jail because the charges had been dropped from attempted murder to assault and battery okay with a deadly weapon or assault with a weapon or something like that Mm. so he had to actually go to prison so the first time he saw his own video was in prison really watching it on the telly where where you could ring up and request a song on the station. So I think, I think he rang up and requested. Of course, he did. <laughs> Look at it. Anyway, um, he looks like Louis Thoreau, this cunt. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, I, I, <laughs> I, I was terrified. I, I loved this song. I never yeah. got the album. When I was young, you had money and you didn't buy fucking Snow's album. Tell him what the name of that record is, Helmet, because it's it works on so many levels. Twelve inches of snow. <laughs> Like, under no circumstances is any part of him apart from maybe his no, wife. Maybe his fucking femur. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, but obviously his 12 inches is the record and he's sort of uh, pump, yeah. pumping it up. Uh, you know what, man? There's more to this guy. I listened to this album and I was expecting this horrific reggae rap thing. Mm. But this song came on, Lady with the Red Dress. And to this day, it's still the only song about a lady in a red dress I like. <laughs> All right, <laughs> Poor by, by, by someone who sounds Irish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so he sounds. Yeah, um, I stuck this on right, and I went, "Hang on a second, am I am I just kind of by frame of reference thinking that this song is good?" Yeah. So I listened to it again, and by the third time, I've listened to this song like you, like on my own outside of the podcast because yeah. I really like it. All like, right, re- this I'm is, into it now. This is a, like an a nineties R and B song. Okay. But this could have been a massive hit for loads of 90s R&B hits yeah. for people. Honestly, uh, I don't know what else to say about it. The, the, the piano at the start of it sounds like it was done on a, a, a Casio watch, a calculator watch. Like an Argos fucking Casio. Yeah. yeah. So I sk- I think, I, I don't know if I skipped that. You skipped I think a I skipped little bit. Because it it, yeah. it's, it's, it's horrific and I want people to get, so don't get put off by it. But, this the melody of this song was going around my head for the last two days. Okay. And I keep sticking it on every now and then going, that's, you know what, that's a good song. All so, right. without any further ado, we'll stick it on. I really like it. Okay. 
that's real weird. It sounds like the fucking auto tune set there on key, but it kind of yeah. works. No, do you know what it is? That that auto tune thing I'm trying to figure out. That that reggae thing of doing like a kind of off note or yeah. a note that doesn't quite blend. I think he's doing that on purpose. I think that's so. It. Like it's definitely done. Like it's it's definitely intentional. It's just it's jarring. But then when your brain really recognizes, jarring because yeah. they don't they don't do that in regular or no no. But not in reggae they do. In reggae they do that a lot when they do yeah. the singing bits. They will sing like this against yeah. the song. And he's doing that. The, for the whole thing. Instead of like a backup or a melody, the whole song <laughs> is doing it that off key. I can't tell if he has got a good voice or not listening I to that. couldn't tell you. Like he's hitting notes, but there's, yeah. be, there's, there's wizardry involved as well. Honestly, so if you knows. listen to that song again, it'll be stuck in your head for days. I don't know what it is. I don't think he could sing it back though. I don't think he could sing along with it. Lady with the red dress down. Yeah, sing it in my head. Of course, I can sing it back. I can sing it in my head for two days. At the right key, a, though. Making a Hit sandwich. Me. Yeah, but I'm singing it better, probably than him. Like, cause he, but he's doing that shit on purpose. He's singing off, out, or under the key on purpose. Cause that's, that's mental. Record. It's not terrible. Yeah, I'll give, I'll give so it anyway, that. Like, like I said, originally, originally, he didn't want to uh, sing any of the songs, but when he did, <laughs> he didn't print any pictures of himself because he didn't want people to know he was white. Fucking right. Yeah. Like, should have kept, kept that up. Yeah. Well, look, honestly, I would advise people <laughs> to give this playlist a listen and do try and make it down to this Lady Red Dress song. Well, you know what? Maybe do. it's just me. I, I, do you know what you could? You could pro- realistically, they could probably just skip the well-known songs. Or give them, skip give the well-known them, ones if you give want. Give them 10 yeah. seconds to remind yourself uh, what you're getting yourself yeah. into. And there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's some fucking great stuff on here and there's some dirt. Uh, and the, the, the dirt I picked... Like I said, is I'm fifty fifty on it, uh, especially the the spin doctors. I just don't know. Yeah. I don't know if that's good or not. It's probably not. If I, no. if I'm not lying to myself, <laughs> if I'm not lying to myself, it's Lie probably to not. Me. Yeah, Sorry, it, it's just Chris not Isaac. good. Uh, anyway, folks, that's it for this week. Um, we are back next Monday with another podcast. Uh, if you like what we do, you got the patreon.com forward slash Lost Air Podcast. Um, or if you just want to tip us. Uh, you got the kofi.com forward slash lost our podcast all the links are there in the text on your app in front of you uh, if you get lost just go to lostartpodcast.com everything is there uh, live shows every Saturday night uh, now that we're allowed to move around maybe we'll look at doing some uh, lost our TV again in, in, in a month or two whatever we'll, we'll figure that out yeah it'd be cool uh, I'd be mad into doing that I wouldn't be mad into moving everything back from my house to the pub <laughs> I took so everything look, out we can, we've got a car I've got a car if we're yeah. allowed uh, do that kind of shit we'll sort it out exactly it's just starting to unplug everything uh, yeah. it's, it's looking at it it's, it's like the fucking matrix in this room I hate moment. that unplugging and unplugging oh, it's fucking torture because then you plug it back in it doesn't work it's just yeah. the, door holding it together at the moment uh, right that's it folks back on Monday with a fresh one again like uh, rate subscribe tell your pals all that well actually you know if you like this episode please do that right now yeah don't wait till later just do it, it sounds like fluff and you're probably tuning out already but please yeah. it helps a lot uh, yep right gang uh, see us later and uh, hear from us on Monday good luck come on take it easy <laughs>